Hey everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Corycast. Today's guest was someone when I first met him, I was scared shitless to meet him. Mostly because uh, of the title he holds. He's the uh, Howard Hanna Regional Vice President of the CNY area. He covers, uh, I think he said 12 or 13 different offices, Howard Hanna offices. And coming from the retail world, when somebody is in a position like that, you're kind of afraid of them because you just want to do right by them the whole time. And you feel like, I don't know, you feel you can't relate to them. But Mark is very much a relatable person. He's also very charismatic. Cares a lot about his agents, his managers. Uh, And he's been in the real estate game for a very long time. He started uh, at Gallinger, and then uh, when Realty USA bought them out, he was still there, and then now Howard Hanna bought Realty USA out. So he's kind of been in the same company and been in the same area uh, for a very long time. He started when he was uh, 21 selling houses and became a manager and kind of worked his way up. Uh, when I Honestly, when I first met him, I, I was very scared to meet him, but when you sit down and have an hour long conversation with him you really you really learn he's just a another human being puts his pants on uh, one leg at a time just like you and I he's a really great guy and what I like about Mark is that he's very passionate about the community about his company about his associates um, he's all around good dude so this podcast is r- interesting because we talk from real estate into uh, we touch a little bit about uh, his love for theater too, uh, which is a new perspective because I don't know too many people that are in into theater. So it was cool to hear him uh, his history of how he started in real estate and what kind of things you could do to further yourself in the real estate world. So without any further ado, here is my friend Mark Ray. All right, and we're good now. So, Mark, Ray, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. It's really cool that I know you're super busy, so it's cool that I get to sit down and talk to you. I do anything for you. Oh, you're a sweetheart. So, you said you had a meeting, right, earlier today? Yeah, for- I did. Uh, CNYS Board of Directors meeting. I'm vice president of that board. Yeah. I've been on it since it started, gosh, oh my God, probably close to 20 years ago now. <laughs> what are your like duties and responsibilities? Basically, um, there's the Greater Syracuse Association of Realtors, which um, are made up of, of uh, realtors. Yeah. And then there's CNYS, and that's the privately owned MLS that controls all the listings in central New York oh, so okay. that really really is what we we put out all the listings out there for all the companies and make the rules and regs and monitor things and right. keep on top of things in the country we go to NAR the National Association of Realtors and New York State Association of Realtors and make sure that we're on the cutting edge and I'm proud to say we were just talking about it this morning all the major companies and small companies are a part of it and we were just talking today about how we are on the cutting edge and always have been with CMIRealtor.com, our own website, and that sort of thing. Meaning like that you let those groups, like they're a part of part of it? Is that what you mean by... Well, getting the information out to the public. Like a lot of people, the public 
think, you know, they can go to Zillow or Truya or Realtor.com, which they can. Mm -hmm. But as you and I know as realtors, um, oftentimes that that um, information isn't always accurate. It might, be, yeah. it might be sold or it might be the wrong price. Whereas our multi local multiple listing service, com, that's up to the minute and it's, it's accurate. It's, it's, it's the right price. It's the right this. That's just one example. We're always trying to um, provide the public with the most accurate, um, best possible information for them. Oh, gotcha. So it's like, do you only do, do you work close with like the Rochester board and Albany board too? Exactly. Um, you might be interested in knowing about, I'm, I'm bad with time, but about <laughs> five or seven years ago, yeah. we created an alliance and it's called the Alliance. Mm -hmm. So we work with the Rochester board, the Buffalo board, and the, and, and the Central New York board. And so we have meetings four times a year and we all um, buy our services together, save money. So therefore we pass that savings on to you all for your multiple listing fees every quarter, uh, and we um, and we work together in unison. It's another way of um, really staying on the cutting edge. We're one of the first in the country to have done that, yeah. and we've been expanding and growing. And so right now it's our three, and I serve on that alliance board of directors as well. Wow, you're a man of like very many talents. Like you're also involved in that, and then you're also doing uh, like the Syracuse board. Of realtors too, right? I've been on the board. I've been the president of their board, and I've been on that board four different times over my career. But the last few times they've asked me to run for it, I've um, I've deferred and said, you know, I've done this four times. I'm on the CNYS consistently every year. I'd like other people to get a chance to do their voice. So I've kind of um, encouraged them to have other people. So we have other people within our company and other companies that can um, run for that slot because right. I've done it four times. Yeah, it's been almost twenty years. Off and on, I've been on that board. So, right. What was like your normal like routine? Like, what was your duties on being on the board of the Greater Circus Association yeah. of Realtors? Yeah. So, as as you're probably aware, there's um, it's made up and comprised of all various agents and managers and broker owners, and um, they meet once a month. Chris Thielen, our Cicero North Syracuse uh, manager, was the president this year and last year, and they go ahead and they organize duties and functions and education and broker manager meetings and keeping the agents informed and uh, educated on various things as well. Mm -hmm. So they they they're coming from a from a um agent perspective right. of um helping you all whereas CNYS we certainly keep the agents in mind we want to make sure you're following the rules and regs but we're pushing it out to the public. Right. No, that's cool because I it's like when I try to explain it to people, I also have a hard time. So it's like this is good too because this is a good learning experience for me because I kind of learn how. So we work functions. in unison, GSAR and CNYS. We meet at our local board and we work very closely together. We're made up of similar people. But again, this is a privately owned MLS made up of the broker owners in yeah. central New York. And then the other is um, made up of all the real estate agents, all twelve hundred from all all of New York, basically. Um, for GSAR, it's just central. GSAR. It's just it's just Greater Syracuse who choose to join. Mm -hmm. So we have them from Oswego to Rochester to Syracuse to some people from Utica and whatever, or what whatever. But the majority of them are right here in central New York, and there's about. I think last day I looked, there's like 1,250 members thereabouts. Oh, wow. That's a lot of Of which you're one of them. Yeah, right, right. That makes sense. So it's like, but not everybody's part-time. Some people are doing it as like a side Some job, are doing so. it part-time. Some yeah. are doing it full-time. And so that alliance I spoke about um, that we meet once um, every three months or so in Rochester, made up of Buffalo um, Association, they're about twice the size of Syracuse, so mm -hmm. there's about 2,600 members there. And then, and then there's the Rochester people. Um, they represent all of the Rochester 
I'm agents. Wow. So again, we're all working together because the world used to be a lot bigger when I got into real estate way back then, mm -hmm. and now the world's much smaller. And there used to be lots of associations of realtors out there, and it's consolidating and consolidating. And we're getting um, and we're we're enlarging where we're taking up more and more territory because right. the world's become much uh, much smaller. I think that's better. That it's like now we're all under, well, like we're all working together rather than having. Like, How should I answer this board that? here, this board there? There's I'm probably pros and cons. There's pros and cons, but it's the world we live in today. Yeah, you know how when I um, when I first got into real estate, there were a lot of um, car dealerships, there were a lot of gas stations, there were a lot of um, grocery stores. Mm -hmm. There used to be Wegmans, and um, you know now we have Wegmans and we have Tops. Um, but there were a lot of big M mid-states and corner markets. Yeah, right, right. And there were small, small little niche um, um, places as well. Right. They've all gone away. Um, and there's the top three, and then there's the small people like, you know, 7-Elevens um, um, and things like yeah. that. The car industry, they've cons consolidated. For years, I would preach to people for many years that's what's going to happen in the real estate industry. When I got into real estate, the majority of the real estate companies were medium-sized real estate companies. Mm -hmm. There were a couple of big guys. We were Gallinger Real Estate at the time. And right. then there were a couple of um, you know, neighborhood niche ones as well. But the bulk were middle-sized companies. And I would always say, the trend is going to happen to us as well. The middle guys are going to go away. Right. There's going to be specialties, small niche um, neighborhood companies, and a, the top you know, few. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, It's right. just the world we live in. And what I love about um, CNY Realtor, CNYS um, is we have always been on the cutting edge and looked at those trends and stayed ahead. And that's what makes us so strong in Central New York. Yeah. I'm really proud of it. Yeah, no, that's cool. And what I forgot to mention too is, so what is your official title at Howard Hanna? I am the Vice President and Regional Manager for the Central New York and the Northern New York. Uh, the 14 offices in Central and Northern New York. I oversee them. Okay. Because I knew you were Vice President, but I wasn't sure how... What your territory covered? I wasn't sure if you even went as far as like Rochester. We have the four territories. We have the Western New York territory, which is Rochester and Buffalo. We have the Southern Tier, which is um, Ithaca and Binghamton, mm -hmm. Elmira, Corning, and then we have um, Eastern New York, which is the Capital District. Yeah. Um, and then we have the Central New York, Central New York, Northern New York area, which is here. And you know, we go as far west as um, Auburn, as far east as Utica, as far north as um, Clayton and Watertown. So your spread is pretty far. It's a pretty big territory geographically, yeah. What So what's like a normal day look like for you? What's like normal duties? Because you're doing this as well as your CNYS. CNYS as well. And I, I really feel strongly I always have about giving back. And it just was always the way I was raised in the way in my DNA. So I believe in giving back to the community that we derive our our livelihood from right and I feel that you know you kind of reap what you sow in life meaning if you give out good you get good in return and likewise if you give out bad you also reap that yeah. as well and I just feel that we need to be kind to one another and that should be a part of our daily duties is a little segment should be of giving out or giving back so I've always volunteered in like three areas um, education so I serve on the Anadarko Community College Board um, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot that you went to OCC. Right. Yeah. When I first got into real estate, I um, sold real estate full time, and I went to OCC full time as a later returning adult student in my twenties, and so I felt strongly about what OCC did for me. Yeah. So I volunteer there on their board. 
um, volunteer. I like theater and I've done some acting and things like that and feel strongly about the arts. That's always the first to get cut. So I've been on various boards throughout my career and for the last 14 or 15 years I've been on the Cortland Repertory Theater Board. Oh wow. And, All the way down um, in Cortland, huh? Yeah, I was there um, Monday night until I got home at 10.30. Wow. So a lot of times my day will start at like, like this morning I left the house a little before 8. Um, on Monday I left the house a little before 8. I drove, I drove in my driveway at 10.45. Wow. And that, that's not unusual. Yeah. And it's a built of all of those. But when you walked in just now, yeah. I was on my computer um, sending CRT information on fundraising for their marquee that they want to put up um, at the, in downtown. Oh, wow. And um, so basically education, um, the arts, and then health. I'm on the Krauss Hospital Board. And um, we meet on a regular basis. And Is that I, another like once a month kind of thing? That's about once a month. And then I'm on the committee for Polo for Premies. Oh. So every year we do um, um, out at, um, you've heard of um, John Walsh, uh, America's Most Wanted. Yeah. He has a place out in Skinny Atlas. Oh, and really? every year we use his polo f um, field and his horses, and we do a big fun fundraiser, polo for preemies, yeah. um, to, for the um, NICU unit at Krauss Health, raising awesome. money for premature babies. Yeah. So those are the three. And, uh, and at one point I was in the Salvation Army Board. I went off that because I needed to peer down a little bit but yeah. a few years ago I had um, was able to get Richard Gear to come to Syracuse and, and do that um, that big fundraiser the big yearly luncheon fundraiser uh, down at the Ant Center and I was determined to make it the, um, the most well attended fundraiser they ever had and I so I said to myself I'm going to get one of two people and one of them was Richard Gear, and they said he'd never come and he came and he volunteered I had other people on the nice. committee I can't take responsibility yeah. for that all myself we all worked together but that was the year I chaired it we got him in and it was a, it was a really successful event that's cool I've, you're like a man with many different hats right so it's like how do you how do you balance it all I like do you have the, like a day a week where you don't do anything and just relax um I, I have decided in 2020 that I'm going to pull back a little because up until the, you know, it's funny because um, I always did this under Gallinger Real Estate where I started my career and then we morphed into Realty USA and I always did this sort of thing. But about four years ago this July when we were merged in with Howard Hanna, no one knew who Howard Hanna was. Even though they were huge in other states, nobody knew. And overnight our signs were turned from red to green. And so I consciously stepped it up even more to really be out into the community to make sure that Howard Hanna was not um, a phantom. Yeah, and so I front of everybody's mind. Exactly. Yeah. And so my wife and I, six nights a week, were somewhere going, attending something of things that we enjoy to get back. And I really think that over the last, I've heard from so many people, they really know about Howard Hanna. We're out there in the field. And I think we've kind of accomplished what needed to be accomplished. So I think I realized that I, I put in a lot of hours this last year, and I thought, you know, I'm going to pull back. I'm always going to be this way, <laughs> yeah, but I'm going right. to do pre four years ago, yeah. where I'm still on three different boards, right. um, as well as work-related boards, but, um, you know, going to try to pull back a little bit. Instead of four boards, you're going to cut it down to three. Something period. like that. And not that be out, sound... not, but, but not be out every single night. Yeah. I, you know, you asked me um, Sundays. I try not to do things on Sundays, but that doesn't always work. But yeah. that, that I try to on Sundays, you know, yeah. pull back. Seems like some people always have like a different, people who are like 
really busy, such as yourself. They always have like it's either when they get home at nine o'clock, mm-hmm. they shut their phone off, they read a book, or they're drawing, or they're playing video games, or whatever it is that they kind of have that moment where it's to themselves, basically. But you're not you're not getting home till like eleven o'clock at night some nights. So the um, last night I, I forgot whenever about ten ten thirty. I opened up. I, I have a running books, and I just to kind of calm myself. Yeah, just to kind of have some mark time. Right. Yeah. Uh, so with Howard Hanna, what kind of duties do you have? Is there like a uh, like a cliff note version of what your job description is? Um, yeah, I mean, I oversee the um, the fourteen offices and the um, eight managers that oversee those those offices. I have managers meetings with them on a regular basis. I'm on the phone at least a few, either in person with them or every other day talking to them. One of my favorite parts of my my job at Howard Hanna is going after new and experienced agents. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably my primary. I am I am consistently like recruiting. Them? recruiting. Yeah. Um, recruiting experienced agents that are with other companies that I think are great that I'd like to have come to us, mm-hmm. and new agents, um, potential agents transitioning from one career to another. Like for instance, Sean Egan. Do you know Sean Egan? He's a newer yeah. agent with He's our in, uh, faithful, faithful office. Right? Yes. Also an OCC alumni. Exactly. So about four years ago, my wife Nancy Pasquale and I, um, the president of OCC, asked us to start this fundraising committee called the OCC Advantage. It's a program whereby they asked us to raise four million dollars in private funds over four years, and um, we put together a committee to do this. And so essentially. Uh, students that go to the, these five schools to participate, Salve High School, ESM, Jordan Elbridge, Lafayette, and Onondaga Central Schools, their freshman year students, they take a pledge their freshman year, and they, if they want to, and they agree to three things, school attendance, school grades, keeping minimum grades, and giving back to the community. And if they do that every year for their four years, if they so choose, they can go to OCC tuition free. What oh, we wow. do is, and it has nothing to do with their family income. Right. If um, they have to go and apply for scholarships and PAL and TAP and all that stuff, and once that gets exhausted, we fill in the gap. If their parents, if they don't qualify for financial aid of any type because their parents are of a certain economic category that they don't, right. we pay the entire way. Yeah, that's so, great. So it's a way for us to. Um, to give some people who you know have families two three four kids who never thought that their kids could get an education yeah. that if they do these things they can go to OCC free of charge. So we started this four years ago, and this fall is the first graduating class where we have eighty one students have already applied that are going to OCC for free. So the reason wow. why I brought up Sean Sean Egan every every September or although it was January that year last January Jordan Albridge participated for the first year. Yeah. So Nancy and I go. And we present with the superintendent of schools and the president of the school. And then OCC sends a few students to talk on behalf of that. Yeah. Sean was there. Oh, I never nice. met him before. Yeah, right. I was so impressed at how well he spoke. And he was um, the social media person for a competing real estate company. Yeah. But he didn't have his real estate license. And he spoke about how he's in school at OCC. And his dream someday was to own his own real estate company in New York, where he's from. Right. Afterwards, we got to talking. The rest is history. Yeah. He got his license. He's in our Fayetteville office. I'm just so excited about what he's doing. So, yeah. I, so I'm always constantly thinking about where, how, and why I can get agents who might be interested in a successful career in real estate. So you have like different plans for 
different things. It's not just like one strategy implemented for everybody. Absolutely. Um, it's what's on my mind 24-7. I really can, can say that it's always on my mind and where, where, where I'm at or what I'm doing um, in a very sincere way. What I mean is, you know, I just keep my eyes and ears open to see um, and be alert to what might come my way. Much like you might because you're looking for new listings and buyers and sellers. Yeah, right. So you right. you are essentially, I used to sell real estate for six years. So I just kind of equate this to attracting talent mm -hmm. to our company the way I used to try to attract buyers and sellers when I was listing and selling real estate. So when you... You did real estate for six years, and then did you become a manager after that? Yeah, I um, got into real estate when I was 21. Yeah. Um, my father had a construction company. I'm from an Italian family. My older brother um, was the namesake, and he was the Italian firstborn. <laughs> so he was the one that was going to be the person for the He was going to take over the company. Right. And it was made very clear that I was not going to be that person. <laughs> so, um, so I went, to, I said, okay, um, I'm gonna, I felt badly for when I, um, when I graduated from high school. I went to West Virginia University, and I had never been there before, and um, never met anybody there. It was bigger than Syracuse University, it's a huge campus I'd never um, went to before. My best friend and I were going to go together. A week before, he changed his mind and went to Ithaca, and I'm there alone at this place I didn't know about, and so I thought, Mike, I was scared to death, and I thought, what am I going to do? I'm either going to hide or I'm going to succeed. So I rushed to fraternity. Yeah. Became president of the my press class, and I had a fantastic year. Loved it. It was great. When I came home on a Friday for a summer, my father goes, okay, Monday, you're going to work for me. And I'm like, Dad, can I just have a few days off? He goes, no, you're going to work for me. The problem with that was I worked for my father. It was over the summer, and I was making a great deal of money at 18 years old. Yeah, right. And I thought, why do I want to go back to college? Yeah. It was the worst mistake I ever made. Yeah. I guess in hindsight, you, you live and learn, but I didn't go back. So when I found out at 21 I wasn't going to be taking over his company, yeah. I got into real estate full-time, and I went to OCC full-time, and I said, okay, I'm going to make a career out of real estate. What was the drop to real estate? It was actually my wife now, but my girlfriend at the time said, you're really, really good at sales and with people, and I really think, and you know homes and construction, I really think you'd be great oh, in yeah, real so estate. Oh, yeah, so that makes sense. So I interviewed with Gallinger Real Estate, really liked Dick Berberian, who was the manager of the office, and um, got my license, and I did both full-time. And um, my first, I got licensed in March, my license came in in March of 1980, and in April, May, and July, I was the top salesperson in my office, wow. and I was, I and we had a really strong, strong office. I had this baby face, and I looked really young, so I grew a beard, so people would take me seriously. You know, it's funny is I remember you saying that to me when I first <laughs> met you, and I was like, oh, that's ironic because if I shave my face, I'm gonna look like a baby. So but then about, <laughs> but then I, I have to warn you, when you fast forward 20 years. <laughs> It turned a little gray, it. so I would kind of color it a little bit. Then it got to be too hard, so I finally shaved it so I would look younger again. Yeah, right, right. It's like you're always playing catch-up, right? <laughs> but when I came to Gallinger, I told John Gallinger, um, the owner of the company, what do I got to do to be you someday? I want to own this company, I want to be president, and I want to run this company. Tell me what I have to do. And he told me I needed to get a, um, a degree, which is why I went back to OCC. That's why you went back full-time? And um, so I got the degree. What was it? What's your degree in? In business, business administration. Oh, okay, makes sense. So then when I got the degree, my office up in Onondaga Hill, it was the Southwest office up in Onondaga Hill. And Gallinger was the number one company at the time in central New York. And it had nine offices. 
the Onondaga Hill office was the number nine in the last place. They had gone through three managers during that time. They were trying to get it going, and it never really... They just couldn't find a perfect fit. Because it was in an area in Onondaga Hill where you had... It was very eclectic. You had the city, the inner city, um, the suburbs, and you had high-end and everything in between. And so it was just kind of... um, It just never succeeded. So they went through three managers, and they were getting ready to close the office, and I was going to transfer to this Camillus office because that's where I grew up. And I said... I want to take it over. I know I can do it. I know I can do it. He goes, it's, first of all, everybody in the office, I had just, I was still 27. Everybody in the office is way older than you. It's, 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 it's hard to take over an office where you were in it anyways. Usually you yeah. go to another office. It took me six, seven months to convince him. And he said, okay, I'll give you an opportunity. So they made me branch manager. I had just turned 28. They had made me branch manager. And they gave me a time limit to go ahead and do it. So I said, okay, I was in this little flat roof that used to be a post office. Now it's PETA on the Hill by Community Hospital. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was an awful little office, and it was in really bad shape, and, and the carpet was the, was threadbare. You could see the um, the cement underneath. Uh-huh. I said, now I need a better office so I can attract people. Yeah. He said, you attract people, and you start uh, making it profitable, and I'll get you a better office. It took me three years, and in three years, we bought another office up the street and remodeled it, and when I, when I came up here to the corporate office to become the executive vice president and chief operating officer at 30-something um, of Gallinger Real Estate, um, it was the number two office out of number nine. Wow. Uh, only our Fayetteville office was number one. Um, so I was able to, um, we went from like 14, an office of 14 people to an office of 38 people. It was doing like $16 million a year in, in business to 68 million a year back wow. in the in the 80s this was yeah. 1985 wow. so that was a big so that that's yeah. that's kind of how I proceeded at Gallinger Real Estate when you first got in you said it was only a few months until you were a top producer what did you what did you like focus on what did you drive on to build that business great question because I was young and I didn't have a big business base yeah so I specifically focused on on this I went and I picked two apartment complexes high acres in Westbrook apartments up there in Onondaga Hill they were middle of the road, you know, income and that, that sort of thing. And I knocked on door on the apartment doors, and I said, and I would have a sheet rent versus buy, and I would ask them to give me forty five minutes to an hour of their time, and I could show them um, what it would take to buy a house. I went in under the assumption that everybody wanted to buy a house. <laughs> I soon learned fifty percent of the people never wanted to buy a house. Yeah. They're happy living in apartments. God bless them. That's great. Right. But I also learned. The other 50% were completely intimidated, thought you needed 20, 25% down, didn't know how much money they needed, how to do it, never bothered to investigate. So I would say to them, give me 45 minutes to an hour of your time. I'll sit down with you and show you the whole buying process. The worst that can happen is you can't buy right now. Or maybe if you do this, 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 and this, you can buy in six months. Or maybe with FHA, with like 3% down at the time, or conventional with 5% down, you can buy now. And I was selling houses like crazy. So I made it off making sales at that time um, from apartment complexes. And the second thing I did, again, I didn't know anybody. So I did what you all think a lot of your competitors do, but they don't. I knocked on for sale by owner doors. Yeah. We all think the other real estate agents are doing it, mm-hmm. but they're really not. And so I would knock on the door and I went. I used a different approach. I. I feel, I'm going to digress a little bit. Sure. 
I believe that in this world, that everybody's walking around with a, an invisible sign on their back. P-M-M-F-I. Do you have any idea what that might mean? No. P-M-M-F-I. Please make me feel important. Oh, interesting. Whether you're the president of the company, whether you're the janitor cleaning the toilets, whether you're, no matter what age you are in, we all want to be feel that we matter and that sense we're important. Sense of importance and a sense of love, right? Right. But you got to be sincere about it. If yeah. you're phony about it, it shows. Yeah. So if you don't mean it, don't go there. Don't do it. Right. Um, so when I approached a for sale by owner, a lot of the real estate agents would go and knock on the door and they tell them all the reasons why they need me. And at that point, if they just put their house in the market that week, yeah. they don't know that they need you. Yeah. Um, but after two or three or four weeks of we stayed home on a Saturday night because we got an ad call and they were supposed to come and we cleaned the house and didn't go out and we got and nobody showed up, or somebody came and we felt uneasy. Um, it only takes one or two or three times of that happening, and if they got a friendly face, so I would knock on the door and say. Are you um, interested in, I know you're looking to sell your house, and I was honest with them. Most people who really want to sell their house are going to try it for a period of time. Would you, if I brought you a buyer, would you participate in the sale and let me show it? Yes. Then I would make an appointment to come back at a different time to take a look at the house. Not right then and there, I wouldn't presume. And then while I'm going through the house, I would find out what that time period is. I would say you probably have a time period where you might consider listing with an agent. Yes. Usually it's three or four weeks if they're serious. So I'd say, would you mind if I checked, touch base with you every week when you have an open house or whatever? I'm very happy to answer questions, help qualify people to see if they can afford it, give you paperwork, and all I ask in return, if you don't sell it in two or three or four weeks and you decide you might be open to listing with somebody, that you give me an opportunity to do a competitive market analysis. Not that you'll list with me, that you'll give me an opportunity to, to present my marketing plan for you. Nine out of ten of them said yes. And the other people would just go once, say why you need me, right. leave, they never hear from them again, and here I'm trying to help them. Yeah, it's like the difference is like you're kind of just boasting about yourself and then the flip side of that coin is that you're you're giving those sellers something of value more than just saying how, oh, you definitely need an agent, but really you're giving them really good information like and I'm being honest with them yeah. and sincere right. about my motive right. there's something in it for me I'd like you to consider me yeah so I'm not like this you know oh my god I'm this wonderful guy I'd right. like you to give me an opportunity but I'm being upfront about it yeah. and so they respect that yeah I would have other people who would knock on the same doors from my company and they would say to me what do you say to these people? We knock on their door and they say, no, we're trying it on our own, but if we don't list it, we're going to be listening with Mark Ray from your Southwest office. <laughs> the Camille right. South people would, would get that and they'd, they'd say that to me. Yeah. So it's just another, again, I, I feel if you give out good, you get good back. And if you're, if you're sincere with people, most people recognize that and yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's the biggest thing. And it's just giving like giving that sense of, value to be you're giving them information and you're just you're just genuinely trying to help them you're not it's it's more about them than it is you you know what i mean you still want to list the house i still want to list the house and you you just said it a minute ago Corey. um you're out there and you're helping them i i get great satisfaction out of helping people in little ways or medium ways or big ways and then not even knowing it or that 
it, it, it just makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you should pay it forward in life. And if um, if I do something for you and I'm overt about it and you know it, I would just ask you, so no, it's not a new concept, someday you pay it forward to somebody else. Yeah. It just makes the world a kinder place. Right. Um, when I when I did get that Crystal Ball Award last April, um, I quoted Chris Thielen, our Cicerone, our Syracuse manager, because I'm always he always quotes me, "Don't mistake kindness for weakness. You can be kind without being weak." Right. So go. I encourage people to go out and be kind to people. It doesn't make you weak, mm-hmm. and it makes the world a much better place. Yeah. What's that? Uh, what's that saying? Be kind whenever possible, and it, it is always possible. It, Exactly. Yeah. Right. Perfect. So when you uh, so you were selling real estate for six years, and then all of a sudden you became a manager. How does your mind sh- like? How your mind's got to shift gears, right? It so definitely it shift that? gears. I I got to tell you, it was the best. Oh my god, I loved it. I was there at that office. I think eight years. I, I I'm not embarrassed to say when I left that office to come up here to the corporate office, mm-hmm. I cried because I loved my agents. We had the most. Strong-minded, strong-willed, independent, um, top-producing agents with their own mindset. You always knew where you stood with them, good or bad. Yeah. And they were professional. They worked damn hard, but they also played hard, and we had fun. Right. And we would do a lot together. Whitewater rafting, parties, good parties. I'm not saying yeah. bad parties. <laughs> but but we, 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 we got along so well, right. and we helped each other. I always wanted the office. My idea was you're going out there in the world, and you're, you're working hard. You're working day and night. People who are buying houses, whenever I I'll recruit a new agent to the real estate, I always tell them, real, buying a house is the most emotional and the biggest decision and most expensive decision most people make. So otherwise, nice people that are nice out there, sometimes they get a little frustrated and a little bit angry if something goes wrong. And usually something will go wrong through no fault of your own. But they'll, they'll, when it does happen, they tend to want to take it out on the real estate agent, even if it's not their fault. Yeah, right. So I warn them that otherwise nice people, sometimes they're going to kind of knock you around a little bit. But you get a lot of satisfaction when it's all done and you put them in a home. And three or four years later, when they've gotten married or they had a baby and they buy their second home, it's really satisfying. But I always wanted my office to be a refuge or a place of refuge to come back to. Nice, safe haven. Exactly. And that's, yeah. that, that, that's how I always felt it should be and that's how I feel that the office was. Oh, interesting. Because it's like when you talk, because I remember in retail, well, this is the reason why I got into real estate was because you're talking about how you're doing something good for somebody else. In retail, it's just like, I'm selling you a lawnmower. It's it is a, it's it's nice because now you get, now you can keep up on the house and, but now I needed a job that like filled my cup as well as theirs. Like it was, I was doing something good for them and meaningful. I don't think there's anything better than having like Angelica and Aaron having them buy their first house where they want to raise, start a family. You're selling the American dream. Yeah, right. And it's great when they call you in four or five years, they had a baby, they want to move up. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah. I mean, even if it's like, like I have uh, one client, Josh and Melissa, they're good friends of mine. They're in the house that they want to be in for the rest of their lives and grow a family in. And it's like, it's awesome because it was like, they're not only my friends from Taikai, but now they're like, your we're, friend we're, friends. Yeah, we're closer than that. It's like I was able to to give them an opportunity to do that kind of stuff. So it's kind of cool. And who are they going to recommend if they have friends or family or anybody to yeah. buy a house? They're going to recommend you. Yeah, right, right. And it's it's just uh, I don't know. That's why I, that was my draw to real estate was it was less it was less uh, I don't know re- retail was just like a was just a grind. 
you know. And going back to what you said, we're like shifting gears. You became a manager. It was like when you're associate, you're just like you're going in. You clock the, you hit the time punch card. You go in. You do your thing, and, and then you leave. Mm-hmm. And then there's the manager. It was like your brain had to shift gears because it had to be like, all right, well, how am I going to raise sale? How am I going to uh, raise the average transaction price? How am I going to get more uh, more transaction counts through the door? Um, so it's like your mind shifts, but as a manager in uh, the real estate world, I don't know how that like totally functions other than your job's to recruit people and to run a profitable and it's office. A, it's also to, to retain agents and develop agents and grow them um, in the field. When you're brand new in real estate or even when you're experienced in real estate, you want to be able to sit with the agents and show them the tools your company offers and encourage them to use some of those tools to make them help them work smarter and easier and um, to earn more money at the same time without with having a quality of life balance. Right. So I do that through the management team and through myself with agents as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm here to develop agents that are already here and to recruit new agents and to also um, develop the managers and help them to develop their agents. Right, right. And that's, that's kind of cool because it's like everybody, what I like in real estate is everybody's different. Like even manager sense, it's almost like, Everybody has their like unique fingerprint. Absolutely. Almost like everybody kind of works differently. It doesn't seem like there's a magic silver bullet to fix all the problems. It's well, like, you kind of hit it on the head. We have the um, 14 offices in Central New York, and every different manager is totally different. Totally different. We have the we're under the Howard, and in this case, under the Howard Hanna umbrella, and we have those tools and our um, vision statement and our mission statement and our core values, and we all you know submit to them. But the culture. In, in one office is vastly different from the culture in the other, indicative of the leader or the the, yeah. uh, the manager. Yeah, and it's kind of cool because it doesn't make it bad or good. It just makes it unique, right. and it's a it's a nice different environment. I guess I don't know. It's kind of cool. Exactly. So you have the Howard Hand Awards coming up next week, right? So yeah, next like how, how did you plan all that? Is that you and a board of people or like how does that work? It's a combination of lots of people. Um, earlier this morning I was um, meeting with Brittany, our marketing director, and Sharon Dineen, our um, administrative um, manager, and we were going over the flow. And right. they just had their um, awards in Michigan and in the other states the other day. So I was looking at their flow to see where's Helen Hannah going to speak, where am I going to speak, uh, where is this person going to speak. And then we look at the awards. Um, the other day I looked at who's all making the awards and who's coming mm-hmm. and who hasn't signed up yet. Yeah. And um, new agents that, have, that we've hired in 2019 and who hasn't signed up yet. So last week I encouraged the managers to reach out to those agents. Yeah. They did. And then Monday, I made a phone call to a lot of those agents and said, I noticed you had not signed up yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you're not getting an award because you just joined us six months ago, but come and see what you can get an award for and whatnot. Yeah. And we had, um, we had 212 agents come to our awards last year. And um, a week and a half ago, we had 185 signed up. And after, as a result of me encouraging the managers to do that and then me doing it, I just found out we're up to 224. Oh, nice. So we have a record um, year of people coming. Is that the most ever? It's the most ever. Last year was the most ever. At, I guess I think it was 214, 216. This year it's 224, 228 so far. Oh, interesting. And last week I was in Albany at the New York State Association of Realtors meetings. They do them twice a year. Um, all of New York State gets together. We meet with um, National Association of Realtors and they educate us on the latest trends and this and that to Sounds keep you cool. all up to stuff. Yeah. And so while I was there, I was talking to um, Chris Washburn, 
who is our DJ for the awards. He's in our Ithaca office, but he also owns uh, DJ Washburn Entertainment. He always wears the uh, Howard Hanna like jersey. Yes, at right? our Plan Bay. Yeah, that's right. Yep. So for the last few years, I like to get you all riled up when you're coming into the awards. So I had Brian Corn several years ago uh, do a remix of Tina Turner's "Simply the Best," but this year I said I'm going to change it up a little bit. So I called Chris. And I picked out three of today's songs yeah. that I want him to remix mm-hmm. to blast when we're at um, when we're at Destiny next week. Yeah. We have an hour of cocktails and schmoozing, right. and then blast that music, which is a signal for you to all come in and sit down. And hopefully, I picked out the right three songs for him to mix together yeah, right. to get you all excited and hyped. And, right, yeah. man. It seems like it's got to be a lot of planning that goes into an event like that. I have to tell you, thank you for saying that. It is like <laughs> it, it is like planning a wedding. It is really? no less than trying planning a wedding. Trying to coordinate everything together. Trying to coordinate the tables, um, the centerpieces, the flow, the awards, the meal, the RSVPs, the music. Who's saying what now? Who's saying what there? What are we saying? It is no less um, than planning a wedding every yeah. year. So, and you're also like you're also have to give a speech and right. like is that how many how many days out do you prepare? Is it already prepared, ready to go? Um, when you leave, I'm going to fin- do, do the finishing touches. I oh, was going to really? do it this morning. I didn't have time. So when you leave, I, I started about a week and a half ago, a rough thing, and then I throw it away. Yeah. And then um, last week, I tweaked it a little bit. I don't like it to be too long. I don't want to bore anybody. But I yeah. want to get everybody recognized, feeling feeling appreciated, and get it going to start the awards. And so then last night, I thought about some more things and made some notes. So hopefully, I'll finish it today. Oh, that's cool. It definitely seems like... There's so much that goes like when I went last year, I was like one of the agents that you said that was only been with the company for six months. Right. And when I went, I was like, man, this is like a big event, <laughs> and I'm not very good at public speaking. I teach on Fridays, but it's usually a small class of like ten people. So how do you, how do you get comfortable talking to so many people like that? You know, um, I when I after I graduated from OCC and I became branch manager at that office I mentioned. Then I went to Syracuse University part time nights and weekends and got my four year degree. And I took a, several courses in psychology and communication skills, and that helped me immensely. Um, and then I take I took a Tony Robbins course and a lot of those types of things. So uh, people say to me, "Do you get nervous when you get up there and speak?" I think that. Pretty much any everybody does. Yeah, everybody gets nervous. Right? I think they're not really being completely honest with you if they say that they're not. You might get energetic and excited about it, but you're also nervous about it, you know. Yeah. And when and the, the the several times I've been on stage for theater, um, yeah, you're excited. But I um I um, center myself. And Tony Robbins taught me how to you know do the um, the centering. I, if you uh, see, I'm gonna I can't believe I'm saying this on a podcast, but. Uh, <laughs> If if I'm up, if I'm up giving a speech or whatever, yeah. In the beginning, you look at my right fist going like this, mm-hmm. and it's just what I do like to, get, a, to to prepare. Yeah, a tense fist like right. you're gonna punch a wall. Everything go. It's not, not that I'm mad at anybody. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's that I, I put all my centering and all my it, it just calms me right down and gets me in the in right. the groove. And it's something Tony Robbins I took at a course that taught me that to center myself, and it works. So is it is that like a routine? Is there more involved in that routine? Where there, like do you have like a, a mantra? Or there was a mantra that I did the whole nine yards um, when I went through it all, and now I can bring that all back to my being by by doing that. Oh, that's cool. So you have like your own like thing. yeah. When I when I go up, to you teaching, made me say this out here. Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I was just saying when I teach, I like I don't. I'm very much a planner, so I like I have the class laid out, but what I say isn't isn't planned. I just know we're gonna do X Y Z technique. 
just to kind of help me flow. Yes. So, like, how many, when you're planning the whole speech, how many hours would you say? If you do, like, a half-hour talk, how much um, planning goes into that? Um, I don't think I spent hours on it or anything like yeah. that. Um, but um, I spent enough time. It, it depends on what I'm doing a speech about. When, when, it, when they, um, last spring, when they awarded me the Crystal Ball Award, which blew me away, because what is that? What is the crystal ball worth? It's about? um, it's it's the um, all the marketing firms in, in Syracuse downtown. Once a year, they honor one person or one group of people with this crystal ball award, which are sales and marketing executives that give that that, that are successful, but give back to, to the, the community. community. Right, which and is it, one it, of your big core values. Exactly, and they've always. Always, the president or owner of a company, the president of M&T Bank got it, um, um, the chancellor of SU, um, Burdick Toyota, all the, uh, they've always been presidents or owners of companies or of universities or colleges or banks. I was the first time they gave it to somebody that wasn't a president or owner of a company. Oh, so I was stunned when they, when they gave that to me. And so I, actually my wife who was an English teacher, I gave all kinds of little ideas that I wanted. And then she helped me write this, and we put, it uh, we put a lot of a lot of time into it because I wanted it to be not boring but real special. So it depends yeah. upon what your what the speech is for. What's like the biggest audience that? So you've done theater too, so it, including theater, what's like the biggest crowd you performed or? Well, that, I, I got to tell you that probably the Crystal Ball because there were three hundred and fifty people in the in the um, Grand Ballroom in <gasps> Hotel Syracuse standing oh up when goodness. I got that award last year, and I had to give this talk with all these business people. So that would probably be the most. Um, intimidating, if you will, for lack of yeah. a better word. You're saying it. My palms are like already sweating <laughs> at the thought of that. But um, as far as um, theater is concerned, you know, uh, um, this past summer, I was so pleased when um, um, <laughs> Garrett August, who runs the um, Covey Theater and then now a Syracuse Theater Group, asked me to do a small role in Damn Yankees. And so, I don't know, there was a couple hundred people at every performance or at Cortland Repertory Theater when I've been on stage there. Um, there's like 300 people or so there. But that's a whole different kind of nervousness, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I just forced myself to do it. Yeah. You just gotta, for you just gotta, you kind of have to be uncomfortable. If you notice in our training upstairs, I'm sure, Corey, I have those little sayings on the walls, mm -hmm. and one of them says, learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah, because that's kind of, that's just how it is. And that's what I did last Friday. I practiced that. Last Friday, um, they asked my wife and I, um, the, um, at SU was doing this national competition, um, law competition, uh, every year. And 22 law schools, school uh, students, to get their degrees, had to do a mock trial. And they did it in downtown Syracuse with all these real judges and real attorneys. And they had to perform a real case of a mock trial. So they asked my wife and I to be witnesses. So Nancy, oh, um, cool. on Friday, she's playing a, um, a southern widow um, whose husband had committed suicide, suing an insurance company who were trying to get out of playing the claim, and he got depressed and committed suicide. So she's on the stand being grilled in a southern accent, and then <laughs> I'm the creepy, awful insurance company oh, who refused to pay her, right. and we're being cross-examined back and forth with all these judges and these law students beating us up, trying like you see on TV, trying to, yeah. you know? That was... That was very much practicing learning to be comfortable being comfortable, and yeah, that had to be so. That had to be crazy. Twenty-two schools participated, law students, but we didn't know they were not allowed to tell us if they were SU, Colgate, Cornell, Fordham University. Oh, so you had no idea where they were from until after it was over. And I found out Sunday when they gave out the people who won. 
Syracuse University won. Nice. And they're going on to the finals in Texas. <laughs> Whoa, that's crazy. So that was pretty cool. It's a whole freaking competition. I put some pictures on my Facebook the other day from it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That is so cool. So, like, you've... Uh... You've done theater for so long, right? Like how I started. It's funny. I did my first bit of theater. I became manager. I told you in um, in October of uh, whenever it was eighty five, and I was twenty eight, and I just became manager of that office. I told you about right. Yeah. And then that that Easter, I played a high priest in Jesus Christ Superstar at Salt City Playhouse. Yeah. And with Ted Long from ninety three Q. Oh and, yeah. And um, I was scared to death. Right. Because I hadn't really done theater before, yeah. but I always wanted to, and um, so that was my first time doing it. And for a period of time, then I did theater, and then I got so busy with my career and managing and building my career in real estate, right. I got away from it. And then when I started volunteering again about I don't know a dozen years ago, fourteen years ago, I started um, doing. I've done several bit roles on uh, in theater. And That's stuff. cool. What's like What's like the biggest attraction? Like, why do you love doing theater so much? When I was um, when I was growing up, <laughs> you're all gonna think I'm wings. <laughs> I always wanted to be an actor. I wanted to move to Hollywood. I wanted to be John Travolta. That's I, awesome. I grew up. I grew up in the in the disco era. Oh, I went nice. out every night, and yeah. um, I would went to work during the day at my father's place. Do you have any pictures of you with bell <laughs> I got the white outfit the whole nine years. Oh my god, um, Nancy! So, please show me that. <laughs> that's picture. how we met. We were on the dance floor all the time, Nancy and I. Oh, that's hilarious. so. Um, but my, my dream was to go I, I, I always wanted to be an actor when I was yeah. younger so I guess that was probably why it drew me to it well that's cool an, an actor or a psychiatrist those are my two things those are your two. <laughs> you got to be kind of a psychiatrist when you're a real estate agent there you right? go that seems for what sure it's like to. you're for like sure. an uncertified psychiatrist that's cool so what's like the biggest play that you had a chance to do was it the, the one you just did last year what no um, I think the hardest or the um Either 1776 for Quilton Repertory Theater three summers ago, um, or where I played the New York senator that signed the Constitution, or I, I think the hardest one or the most intimidating one was um, Cards on the Table, Agatha Christie, A Murder Mystery, um, at Quilton Repertory Theater um, a couple of summers ago. We had just become, it was four summers ago, I remember, because we had just become Howard Hanna in July, and I was doing this play in late July. And I'm playing this rich guy that somebody kills because I'm manipulating all my people. And it was a it was a, it was a small part, but very significant. And um, I'll never forget when you're in theater, you and you're doing acting, you turn your phone off, and you're just all about that. Yeah. We had just become Howard Hanna. I it was all new to me. Yeah. And Helen Hanna's calling me on the phone, <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a, I'm in a incomplete. I'm ready to go on stage in two minutes, and I got my phone, and she's saying I'm coming in tomorrow, and you got to pick me up. A blah blah blah, and I'm texting other managers. Can you help me while I'm about to go on stage? Oh it was. I, I will never ever forget that. I feel like the <laughs> the rush of panic would be like would overcome me in a second because they're just waiting. They're like, oh, and Mark comes up. Um, and here comes Mark. And it's funny because the director, they always give you notes afterwards. Yeah. And I didn't usually get too many notes. That night afterwards, he goes, what, what, something was off. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You're like, I'm doing, I'm juggling four different things. <laughs> and, right and that is a no-no. You just don't do that. You're supposed to have And there you got me to admit something else in a podcast. Ah, there we <laughs> You're go. really good at this. I, no, I, this is just conversation. I swear, I'm not, I have no agenda. Corey, Corey. I know that. <laughs> I recognized in you when you first came to work here. I was so impressed with you right from the start. I think oh, I told nice you that too. when we had lunch at, or breakfast or whatever in Liverpool. 
Yeah, you, you, you just can sense of people. I just Thanks. always have gotten a sense of people, good, bad, or indifferent. And I've gotten that sense from you right back in the beginning. So excited about you. That's why when you called me to pick my brain back then, I was I was happy to do that. I um I was so scared when I called you. <laughs> I remember when I, I uh, said to Shauna, I was like, so I have Mark's cell phone, and then I kind of texted him and asked if I wanted to get coffee. Was that a no-no? Thinking like, oh my God, you don't, in retail, you don't just text the district manager or the regional vice president asking if they get coffee. They're too busy. They're saying, no, they don't have time for you. And then she goes, no, that's fine. That's great. So what did he say? And I go, he said yes, and I'm kind of shitting my pants right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to say, Shauna. <laughs> Corey, I'm learning from you the way you're learning from me. And like I mentioned earlier in this, I'm no better or worse. We're all born. We all die. We all have to eat to live. We all go to the bathroom the same all way. Same. And just always remember that. Always remember yeah. that. Um, what I see in you, though, I, I just always felt that you're you've, you're well balanced. You've got a lot of you, you you work hard, but you also play hard. You seem to be a great you know husband and family man. And I don't know whether you want to do this or not, but I always felt like at some point you'd be a really good um, real estate manager. I would like to. I've always like in any position. When I was in retail, it was like when I was at PetSmart, it was. I was a part-time associate, and then I was like, what do I need to do to get the next step? I finished OCC in my two-year degree, and then my store manager was like, hey, I want to be front-end manager. And I was like, okay, sure, whatever. So I did that, did that for a couple of years, and I was like, what do I need to get to the next step? And they're like, well, really, if you're going to be assistant manager, you got to know how to run receiving. So I was like, okay, so I did receiving manager. Then a couple of things happened with PetSmart, left that company, went to runnings, and then it was the same thing. It was like... I started it full time position, went to a department manager, was assistant manager. I'm always it's like I'm always trying to look for Right. What can I do to get to the next step? I don't and know. you might be nervous, but you still do it, right? It's it's like you said before, it's like you don't nothing good comes from being comfortable your whole life. So when Shauna asked me to teach a self defense class to a bunch of realtors, I remember I that, yes, that's right. I was like, Why? Why do you why are you having me do this? She goes, It'll be good for you, it'll be fun. And I'm like, that is not fun. That is hours of preparation I have to do now. <laughs> but I have a problem where I just say yes to everything. I just I can't say no to anything. You know, the worst that's going to happen, the worst that could happen is you're going to die. And you're not going to die, so just go ahead and do it if you want right. to. Yeah. There are times when you have to learn to say no, which I'm, I'm, I'm still learning that. Um, yeah. And you should learn that. For sure. For sure. Um, I feel like my wife would agree with that, that I just say yes to too much stuff. And I don't, right. I don't, I don't always think ahead the most. But, uh, yeah, no, I would love to... To one day be a manager, it's kind of it's interesting because when I talk to Sean, I kind of pick her brain on what processes are different because it's like I always revert back to retail. It's like when you're an associate, you don't see everything as a whole picture. You either just think it's your little area, right, your little section. But when you're the next step, you have to think more of the greater picture. You bring so up it's a, like you bring up a perfect point, and that's something else that I try to drive home with the managers. Because you're in your own little world. In your case, it's you in, in Liverpool and Shauna in Liverpool and another manager in Fayetteville and another manager in Auburn or whatever. And, and you are in your own little globe. But John Gallinger taught me way back in my 20s, and I never forgot it, um, when I would ask him questions, that would always think of the whole, always think of the larger. If I got a situation in my office with my agent or whatever, and they want this or that, that's cool, but consider how it impacts the whole company because yeah. you're making a decision for everybody. So you you already seem to, have, to be cognizant of that, and that's that's great. Yeah, because that was that was the big shift when I went to retail. Because I remember when I applied for the assistant manager at Runnings, 
they were like, well, what's going to be different as a department manager now to an assistant manager? And I, I honestly, I was like, I don't know how to answer that question. I was like, I guess I, I can I, can I call you back in a week when I talk to a couple assistant managers on what their perspectives like? Mm-hmm. And they were like, nobody in an interview has ever said that before. Either they say, oh, here's the answer, or they go. Oh, I don't know, and right. that's that's the that's the end of that's that. That's what I mean, and that doesn't surprise me in you at all. Yeah, you you. Well, thanks. I see in you that you can <laughs> you can go and and do whatever whatever you decide that you want to do. Mm-hmm. I really no, feel well, that. Thank way. you. That's nice of you to say. I just uh, it's a cool like getting to real estate is just a. I feel like I got a like a fresh breath in me where in retail it was just like it was kind of just uh, I don't know it was like digging into you every day and it kind of just wears you out a little bit. It didn't bit. give you a lot of um, excitement. Fulfillment. Or fulfillment. Yeah. And and I would see some people that I would work with who were older than me and had, you know, were in a position where they were running a store at once, but then they're in a position now where they were kind of as a department manager or something or they just weren't happy with how everything turned out with them. And I was like, man, I don't want to be, I don't want to be one of those people where I'm like, oh, I wish I would have pursued something, I guess. I would encourage you to continue on that lot. Absolutely, you don't want to have regrets. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Push yourself. Well, we just did an hour. Get out so, of town. Yeah. So I want to leave you with one thing. Yes. That I that I that I live that I live by. Life is short, and we do not have much time to gladden the hearts of those who travel with us. So be quick to care, to help, and make haste to be kind. That's how I try to. I'm not perfect. But that's at all by any stretch, people will tell you. But that's how I try to live. That's a that's a beautiful way to end a podcast. I'm not gonna say anything else. Cool. Thank you.